Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What's happening, football fans? Today's episode of The Gagan Pod is safe as a bank. I've got Mark Schwarzer and Thomas Sorensen joining me as we talk everything from the Premier League, from the top four race, the title challenge, Burnley and Everton, who will go down, and some of the best managers in the league. We then go around Europe's top leagues, ranking them. We bring back a controversial game of start, bench, sell, talk, jersey collections, and look ahead at all the greatest games coming up this weekend here on The Gagan Pod. Today I'm part of the Goalkeepers Union. We've got Tommy Sorensen and Mark Schwarzer joining us to talk all things football. And before I kick it off, gentlemen, I don't know if it's good evening, good morning. I don't even know where you guys usually are around the world, but I'll say hello and welcome back. And we're without Michael Bridges today, but we've got to give a special mention because the big fella playing in a charity match for his old club, Carlisle United, did score what he himself labelled a Leticia-esque goal. Schwarzy, thoughts on the finish from, uh, from our good mate, Michael Bridges? <laughs> Leticia, yes, <laughs> You lost me there. Bump himself I'm up. done. Oh, pass. I'm over with that one. <laughs> oh, God. No, it was, no, listen, it was all right, wasn't it? I was just really worried about Michael Bridges. I thought he'd pull a hammy. I really did. Um, I also was concerned for the goalkeeper because I thought, seriously, there were some issues there. Um, he did take a long time to get over there. Well, you know, I thought it was a bit of a mismatch, Tommy, because it was it was the class of 2005-6 versus a team from about 95-96. That goalkeeper, you know, we don't show how old he was when he won the title. He could be well into his 50s, potentially close to 60, and there was, there's got to be some question marks around him with that finish. <laughs> yeah, for if we start picking this goal apart, uh, <laughs> Bridgie will start to look worse and worse. But uh, now, you know, 10 for effort. You know, it was a yeah. bit of in- ingenuity, you know, but uh, I agree with Swartzy, uh, the goalkeeper. You know, the time he took to, to just get to the ground, uh, <laughs> it was uh, is he, immense. Is he even allowed to say Leticia yes? <laughs> is, is, is that even allowed or what? No. Uh, I don't think so. Do yourself a favour. Anyone that's listening and hasn't seen it, jump on Michael Bridges' Twitter. It's all over there. He's reshared it a few times himself. It's a very proud moment for the big fella. So uh, give him some love and some support. Uh, we'll kick off the chat in the Premier League. And, you know, usually when we chat on a Tuesday and there's a Tuesday morning game, I want to talk about that game straight off the bat. But... Palace leads. It's a bit of a dead rubber. Nil-nil. The most entertaining part was uh, was a ball boy at halftime that scored a penalty and gave it to the fans. So I think the less said about that game, the better. You know, it's those two, two teams, you know, around mid-table meeting each other. But what we have to talk about, Schwartzy, was a game you worked on. It was Arsenal against Man United on the weekend. You were over there. Arsenal, after losing to Brighton, losing to Southampton, they then go back-to-back with Chelsea and United. What changed in this squad? Uh, good question. What did change? Certainly the vulnerability at the back is very much there, live and present, because mm-hmm. obviously we saw the game against uh, Chelsea. It was, it was actually a great game to watch as a neutral. Um, very entertaining. Uh, lots of goals. Uh, at at, at uh, the Emirates, watching them play against Manchester United, they started re- really, really well. The first 10, 15 minutes, uh, Arsenal were very much on the front foot, scored the goal. 
within a couple of minutes and then it kind of changes a little bit. They, they become quite open at that stage. You think, and this is, this game is going to go, you know, it could easily be another one, uh, like a Stanford bridge. Um, mm. I think for the fact that Manchester United were so poor that mm. it wasn't, um, what's changed for Arsenal. Um, oh, I think, I think the win away at Chelsea was huge for them in terms of confidence and self, uh, their record at Stamford Bridge has never not been great over the last uh, however many uh, years, and I think to go there and go and put a performance in like that and 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 let's be honest, deserve to win the game against Chelsea. Um, I think for them lifted their com- confidences enorm- enormously, and that, and that continued on. And I think Manchester United were just the perfect opponent, as big a club as they are. They're they're, they're nowhere near it as we all talked about so many times before and I think uh, on Saturday was another prime example of how far away they are again yes there was a defining moment they did have a penalty Bruno Fernandes missed it Ronaldo didn't even want to take it which was bizarre in itself but I still don't think Manchester United would have stayed in the game or would have won the game even if they'd scored that goal Tommy, we talk about Man United and their lineup, and I think a lot of questions have been asked, especially from United fans. Oh, this guy needs to go, or this guy needs to come in. And over the last week, we've seen Lingard come into the squad. It didn't really change the outcome. We've seen Harry Maguire be dropped, which a lot of people were calling for, and it didn't change the outcome. In fact, they've never won a game that Harry Maguire hasn't played this season. So is there even an answer to do with personnel at Man United, or, or is the answer much, much greater than that? No, again, I think overall there's a there's bigger issues. Um, you know, they, you know, individually, I think you know, with with confidence in the right system, you know, they they've got good players. Um, but you know, there's been underperformance. Uh, I think the change of managers, um, the change of system mid-season uh, when Rania came in, I think there's distractions overall. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's a massive job, you know. I, I don't envy Ten Hag now coming in. Yeah, he might be given, you know, whatever two hundred fifty million that's been rumored. Um, but where do you start? Like, you you obviously got some some young players that uh, has showed some promise. You know, Langa, I think at times has has been good. Um, but you got a Bruno Fernandes, you know, who's were great when he was under. You know, now he just looks uh, a shadow of himself. What do you do with Ronaldo? So I think there's just so many question marks there. You know, let alone how you play, what system you're going to play. You, you got to pick these players up, and that's going to be Ten Hag's, uh, you know, massive job. And I, I, I read that he's already um, organized Zoom meetings with with uh, individual players now to just try to get a gauge on where the players are at, what 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 the job will be, who's going to keep, who's who's he, who's he going to you know, get rid of. Um, so this is a, you know, this is not a, an easy fix in any way. Uh, being at the game, the one thing that probably stood out for me the most, um, and I know on TV it's, it's a lot more difficult to see, but in the, in the stadium I was able to watch, you know, you, you had to watch all parts of the game and all, all, all angles and doesn't matter where the ball is. And and what for me was overriding was how quiet the Manchester United side is, how, how little players say, um, how little instructions go out. What There is a bit of encouragement, and there was a little bit of encouragement throughout the game at various moments when the stoppage in play, but there was no instructions. I mean, you've got Varane there, who obviously, World Cup winner, enormous amount of experience, doesn't set, doesn't give anything out. Doesn't He just tries to encourage, but that's it. Lindelof's the same. The, you know, Matic, there's no one in that team that actually is trying to 
take the game by the scruff of the neck, take the team by the scruff of the neck and try and organise them, trying to get them going. Um, it was really weird. The other thing uh, was I was I was talking to someone who's very well placed within the club just, and, and, and they just said it is such a divided dressing room. There is so many problems going on behind the scenes, which obviously when you hear that is obvious. When you watch their performances, you see how they play each week, you see how they line up each week. Um, so... That is a big problem. Ten Hag has got a monumental issue at hand, and and I think uh, there's a lot, a lot of players. We know anyway. There's a whole lot of players out of contract. There's players they're talking about getting rid of anyway. There's something like ten players that could be out the door pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a lot of questions to ask about the team. So rattling through a few of them that are in the headlines. The first one is around Paul Pogba. Uh, we know his ability. Yeah, we've, we've had this conversation about him who knows how many times. He limped off after 10 minutes against Liverpool and I think was heavily blamed for the first goal because if you see, he's kind of talking to the referee as Mane makes his run and it was his man. Liverpool score, he then limps off injured. It has been rumoured that he's now played his last game for Man United. He was ruled out for the season after that one with a with a muscular injury. Where to now for Paul Pogba? Will a big club put money on the table to sign this guy still right now? Or is it a case of trying to accept whatever he can grab? Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's still people out there. He's, you know, we've seen it time and time again. You know, when we've written him off, he, he comes up with a, you know, fantastic performance. We saw him, you know, during the, the Euros, um, you know, times, I think it was the Germany game where he was standing. Um, you know, so he has it in him. It's just... Can, can you find a, a, an environment, a, a manager who can get consistency out of him and, and, and you know, find a balance of all his off, off the field, you know, the, he loves, you know, obviously all the social media and all the, you know, the, that side of, of things. So, so I think that's going to be the case. I'm sure that there'll be someone who, you know, who, who is willing, one of the big clubs who's willing to take a punt on him for sure. Um, you know, I could see him back in Italy. You know, mm-hmm. Juventus potentially, um, you know, even uh, AC Milan, Inter. I think that would be uh, a good place for him. Um, so, yeah, I- I'm sure he still belongs at the highest level. He just needs to, you know, he- his career is at a, at a sort of a, a breaking point now where if he wants to be, uh, you know, reckoned amongst the, you know, the top world-class midfielders, he, he has to do better. Uh, and that-, that the next club, he has to show that. It's crazy to think that someone has to maybe adjust their system for Paul Pogba or make him fit. You know, you think it would be mm. the player's job to try and adjust whatever they're doing to fit into a team. But maybe times are changing. Maybe we're a little old fashioned. Um, is there any chance of Eric Ten Hag, Tommy, is there any chance of him keeping him? And would you like to see Ten Hag try to keep him and work with him? Or is it definitely time to walk? I think it's time for for him to, to, to get out of there uh, for, okay. for both parties. For sure, yeah. um, and I don't think it, it doesn't look like a player Ten Hag would uh, f- fancy having around. I think mm-hmm. he, he he would look to to build a, a new dressing room with new leaders uh, and Pogba. You know, we'll see what happens with Ronaldo, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think Pogba definitely is out of there. I think he's probably the first on his sheet um, for for that reason. Mm. And uh, Schwartz, you talk about Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, you talk United, you have to talk Ronaldo. He's the king of the Champions League. We know he is. And statistically, he continues to put up huge numbers in that competition. Now, if United, well, they're not going to make the Champions League. They'll, they'll do pretty good to make Europa League with West Ham on their heels. If they're not playing Champions League football, do you see Cristiano Ronaldo, a man who's obsessed with records and legacy, do you see him staying at Man United and playing in the Europa League? No, I just don't see him staying at Man United. It doesn't matter. I don't think it really matters which league 
which competition, sorry, European competition Man United will be playing in. I, I think he'll go. Um, I don't. I don't think. I think for for Manchester United, there's a perfect opportunity to kind of draw a line in it. Yeah. I'm saying now and say new manager, new ideas, fresh direction, and unless you're prepared to accept that you're not going to be a week in week out starter, then I think I think you'll be going. I, I can't see him staying. The other thing about talking about Paul Pogba, which was really interesting on the weekend, um, the tides have turned a little bit because. There was always this ongoing uh, talk about Man United, certainly in the press, um, and you know you can talk about it all day long where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Manchester United were supposedly going to offer Paul Pogba a new contract and everything else. Now it's been pretty, uh, from what I was told again uh, from someone within the club, they're definitely not offering him a new deal. Right, and he knows that. And then the comment of he's played his last game for the club. And the interesting thing is Paul Pogba releasing or tweeting during the game to say, I haven't played my last game. Mm. So it changed a little bit, and now he's almost got to come out on the defensive, which is uh, interesting to see. It's amazing, isn't it? It's almost like he doesn't. He's trying to win the fans over, or at least leave on good terms. And we saw after that day that he was booed off. He put up a photo on his social media of him waving and clapping the fans. It just seems like this strange <laughs> complex there. It's, it's a strange relationship between him and the United faithful. Cristiano Ronaldo to leave, according to Mikey Schwarzer. There you go. Um, last one on Man United. The rumors are in two to two hundred and fifty million pounds war chest for Ten Hag. We've heard this before when managers come in, the war chest, who are they going to go and buy? Realistically, Tommy, who would you like to see Man United buy? How would you like to see them spend that money? We've seen players, Harry Maguire was 80 million, Lukaku was close to 100, yeah. Grealish was 100. 200 million pounds isn't a whole lot of money if you don't spend it right. How, what would you like to see them do with that cash? You know, I, I would like to, to see them getting the spine right. Uh, you know, they, they, again, got to sort out that, uh, you know, centre-half partnership. Um, it would be up to, obviously, if you can get more out of uh, Maguire and Varane and Lindelof, uh, who's going to go from, from there. I think definitely Maguire's time as, as captain is, is definitely over. Uh, so I, I can see, like again, I, I'm a fan of of Akula Bali from from uh, you know from Napoli. I think you know just the leader, and I think Swartzy hit it right on the on the nail there. You know they don't seem to have the leaders. They just they, you look at Fernandez, body language. You know he should be a leader in that team, but he's not. And and that's you know you see what what other teams have have done with uh, you know a, a spine. Uh, you know. Yeah, definitely. The uh, first uh, first uh, buyer would would be a very dominant centre half and and central midfielder, and then you can you can add on to that. Well, Schwartz, we saw when you two were both playing in the Premier League, Andre Villas-Boas took over Spurs. And that was at a time when they sold Gareth Bale and he had all this money to play with. And he signed about six, seven players. And it seemed like none of them really worked. I remember, you know, Soldado up front and he signed, you know, Eric Lamella. And he brought all these players in, spent about 200 million on seven, eight players. That's one way to go. The other way to go is to buy maybe with 200, you buy two 100 million pound players, right? Now, when we look at Man United's team, it's like... Oh, he needs to go. He probably needs to go. Those three need to go. And there's a lot. But really, when we break it down, there are a lot of superstars in this squad. Do you think there are one or two players that could come in and completely change this team? Or do you seriously need to look at half the squad? Uh, I don't think. Look, look, I think one or two players could make a big difference. So long as there are other changes made as well within the current squad. So 
There'll be players that'll be going. There'll be players that'll be out of, are out of contract that are definitely going. Mm-hmm. I think there, there's a combination. Uh, what I'm going to find really interesting over the next six months, 12 months, is what direction Manchester United take. So how do they structure it? Does Ten Hag come in and take con- complete control over the signings of players? Do they allow that system to continue, which they've always done at, at Manchester United pretty much? Or not even just Manchester United, in, in the English-British system. Uh, or do they go along the lines of having a sports director, a philosophy, a type of player that is a Manchester United player, and the manager comes in and just and trains them, coaches them, runs mm-hmm. it, and has a say, but isn't hasn't got the overriding factor, doesn't have the final say. Um, and I think that's really, really important to see what happens. It's because it, it all relates to me. Ten Hag, where has he been? Which club that he's been at where he's had total control over transfers? Yeah. How does he do it? Does he know? I know it's a big unknown, right? But can Manchester United afford to bring in a, player, a person, a manager, give him that responsibility without him being tried and tested? Yeah. In that, yeah. In that aspect. Um, there's, there's, I mean, listen, at the moment there's only speculation. There's a lot of Dutch players being speculated, which is only normal. A lot of Ajax players. Are they good enough? De Ligt has not been necessarily unbelievable, and he's been one of their best players to come out of there and went to Juve. Um, you know, you, you, you can... De Jong, he's been in and out of that Barcelona side. Um, there's a list of players that were the next generation who have gone on elsewhere and haven't, haven't uh, flourished. Hmm. So uh, are the, is the answer a, a Dutch player out of, the, out of the Ajax side? Or so many of them. One, two, maybe, but not a lot of them. So th- there are a lot of challenges ahead, and I don't know whether Ten Hag's the right man to give him the opportunity to bring in whoever he wants. Yeah, well, I also think that the balance, because United have sort of been a lot about their brand. I think that's been one of their downfalls is like, you, you know, you just go for big players that, uh, you know, exactly. have, they got the, have they got the guts to, to sort of strip the side? A little bit like Arsenal have done. So, okay, let's get rid of Aubameyang. Let's get, get rid of some of, you know, the dis- let's just focus on young, talented players and try to build something that might take a little bit longer but it's more sustainable. And I think United have sort of been trying to just, you know, patch up things and just, yeah, get Ronaldo in so he gets and, you know, but that doesn't necessarily fit in a long-term strategy. But I think what's key as well with that one, Thomas, and you mentioned Aubameyang, and he's a, I think he's a great example, is that they got rid of him at Arsenal and no one, I don't think, really complained about it. I think everyone was kind of in the agreement that that's the right thing to do. Then he goes to, to, to Barcelona and bangs in a whole lot of goals. And everyone goes, what a disaster that is. Why would you let a man of that quality go? It wasn't working. Mm, so no, what, no. What, you, what clubs need to do is then stick to their decisions and say, you know what? Yes, we've never said he wasn't a, bad, a, a good player, but it just wasn't working for us. And good mm. luck to him that he's gone off and do, done well elsewhere. And that's one of the issues I find with clubs. They, 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 they have an issue with allowing players to go and being successful elsewhere. Yeah. They feel the criticism. They can't handle the criticism rather than being strong behind it and going, that's just the way it is. Well, United have been the victims of that, haven't they? Di Maria went on to do better things. Memphis Depay went on to do better things. The list is very long. So uh, watch this space, and I'm sure they'll be busy in the transfer market. One team which already looks like they've done some business in the transfer window. Again, you never know until it's signed off or until Fabrizio Romano reports it. But uh, Manchester City seem to have agreed with Erling Haaland. 
now for the following season. We're talking potentially up to a half a million pounds a week. That's the rumour going around. He'll be the highest paid player in the Premier League by quite some length. Thomas, Erling Haaland, we've spoken about him for a few years now. He's had a bit of an up and down season though at Borussia Dortmund. And when we, when we watch him play, he seems like a player with so much pace, so much power, breaking the lines. City hold the ball. They're a bit slower in their build-up. They seem to suffocate teams with possession. Do you think Erling Haaland and Man City is a really good match? Uh, he's definitely not a given. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely got uh, immense qualities. Uh, and again, I don't think, you know, there's been, you know, people have sort of said, oh, but it's going to be another Lukaku. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I, I think he would fit in, you know, well. But it would take some time for it to to bed into. I don't think his first season is going to be a 40-goal man. I don't think so. But, uh, you know, he, he would also benefit. He's a fantastic finisher. His movement in the box you know, we saw at the weekend with uh, Jesus, you know, that those crosses are going to come in. You know, the, the passes, the, the, they get in behind and those, you know, f- you know diagonal flat balls uh, into the box. You know, he's immense at his movements. So I think he'll get on the end of, of all those. How he sort of links up in the overall play, I think that's where the solutions would need to be, be found. Or if, is he if, is just going to be the man that's going to, you know, threaten the, the, the back line and he's just going to be there in the box uh, at the right time and, and finish things off. So, you know, he'll be a great asset for them um, for sure. But it, it's going to take, I think, time to, for, for it to sort of totally materialise. I agree. I think he's got, top, obviously, top quality goal scoring record has been phenomenal this early stage of his career. There's a couple of question marks. Tom, Tommy then hit the nail on the head there. He's link-up play. Um, that is a big question. He does like to play off people's shoulders. He likes to run in behind. That's not necessarily what Manchester City want to do, so they may change a little bit, but he certainly is going to have to do a bit more work coming towards the ball, layoff, and so on. Um, watching the game, working on the game on the weekends against Bayern, um, I thought he was way off the pace. I thought he was actually one of his the worst performances I've seen him play. Not that I've watched every game, but... And, and listen, everyone can have a bad game, and it was against Bayern Munich and everything else. Uh, the other question mark is his fitness levels in terms of not 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 him not him uh, in terms of his physical side of things. It's whether or not his body can hold up to it because he had a lot, a lot, a lot of muscle injuries in the last six to to nine months to twelve months, and that is definitely a concern. Hasn't played a full season. I think, since he left uh, Red Bull Salzburg. Mm. And that's a worry for anyone who, who brings him on. Then you've got the Premier League, add the Premier League in the mix, the the pace, the demands, taking another, look, from Dortmund to, to Manchester City, the expectation, I'm saying it's another five notches as a bare minimum higher. Yeah, yeah. So can mm. he do it? Mm. It's going to be very interesting. I mean, at least we get him in the Premier League, we get him here on Optus Sport. We're excited about that. Um, but yeah, you would have thought... Uh, looking at stylistic matchups, if you throw Erling Haaland into a Liverpool team, you'd think that would be a better fit, maybe, because of the way they play, because they break with so much pace. And all our highlights that we see of Erling Haaland is him breaking the line and running 100 miles an hour, and no defenders can catch him. And rarely you see City play like that. So it's going to be very interesting to see. But Pep Guardiola, you know, he's signed some big players before. I'm sure he knows what he's doing, and we'll trust it, and we'll see what happens. It is a lot of money and a lot of expectation. Um, City are in this title race against Liverpool. I saw an interesting stat pop up. Um, have a listen to this. This was in the Merseyside derby, which was, I guess, it wasn't as straightforward as maybe we thought, but Liverpool ended up winning 2-0. We expected that. 
and they showed a statistic of the two clubs and how much money they've spent in the last five seasons. Liverpool, 569 million pounds have won a Champions League trophy, League trophy, couple of cups, all the rest, and have finished in the top four every single season since then. Everton, so they spent 560. Everton have spent 639 million pounds, almost 100 million pounds more than Liverpool. Plenty of 20 million. They've signed 20 players over 20 million pounds. They've never finished in the top four and are at serious risk of relegation. They're in the bottom three. What do you put that down to? Is that rotating managers? Is that the club's ownership? What do you, what do you put this Everton collapse down to, Tommy? Yeah, I think I think you said it there. I think, uh, you know, you look at, um, you know, the successful clubs, you know, they've got a strategy, um, you know, they're all on the same page. You know, they've got, a, a, first of all, a great manager. Um, you know, you, you see Klopp as soon as he took over because they, they were doing similar things as Everton before, you know, you know, under previous managers. But, but mm. you get the right manager with the right ideas who can, you know, he can get the best out of play. He can also identify, you know, the players that will fit the system and, and fit the, 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 the way forward. Uh, you know, I think those six months the club had just to suss everything out, um, you know, was was immense, and he's gone on from there. And then I think Everton, you look at they're, they're lacking direction. They, there's been obviously internal the director, but he he, did, he wasn't really given any authority to do anything. And, and then he left, and you know, again a little bit like United spent, but yeah. you know, not going anywhere. Uh, they're just <laughs> buying players for the sake of buying players and trying to sort of. Yeah, uh, patch things up here and there, you know. So it shows that like strategy, direction with the right people—that's that's the way forward. I mean, the great example there is Liverpool and, and Manchester City. So the, mm. the the two managers that obviously have been instrumental in the way that the team has developed and and brought those players through, hundred percent. They've also brought players in to match the same mentality, the same. Uh, DNA of the football club and I think that's really key if Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp were to leave their posts today the new manager would come in and he's already got player system in place to play so long Mm. as he doesn't want to revolutionise it but Liverpool wouldn't allow it for example Manchester City wouldn't allow a manager to come in there and go no 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 no. I want to change everything I want to buy another 20 players right they just wouldn't do it and I think that's also key so Everton is the other extreme, in, in my opinion. They're obviously trying to go up that next step. The new, new owners come in and spent fortunes with very little strategy behind it, very little, uh, I think, uh, um, ideas put into it, no real thought into who is going to be the, the sports director, what is the DNA of the club, what type of players we bring in. Yes, we want this manager. They are going to have a say, but ultimately we're signing players for us, the football club. Yeah. The manager gets the sack, he moves on, we bring someone else in to work with these current players. That hasn't happened. Every time a new manager yeah. comes in, they want to spend more money. Yeah, Quality, it's all about quality. So mm. you look at, like I said, look at Liverpool, look at Manchester City. Yes, there are examples, but very, very few where it didn't work out quite as well. But not not many. Whereas mm. Everton, it's almost all of them where it hasn't worked out. It is almost all of them. It's terrible. They're third bottom in the Premier League, and their their problems have gotten way worse given the turnaround for Burnley. Sack Sean Dyche. We question that one. Mike Jackson, Ben Mee. I don't know who's coaching the team. There's rumours of a whole hybrid coaching staff, and whatever they're doing, it's working. A draw and two wins back to back. They've now leapfrogged Everton. Looking at it right now. 
Who's your favorite for survival, Tommy? You know, I was just looking at like who Burnley's got. They've got Watford. Then they've got Aston Villa at home. So Watford away, then Aston Villa at home. Uh, they've got Newcastle at home. They've got Aston Villa away. You know, they, that's, you know I would be pretty happy with that run-in. Yeah. You know, so, um, and then you look at Everton. You know, they've, whew, they've got obviously a massive game against Chelsea on, on Friday. Uh, at home they they got to galvanize something Chelsea you know again haven't been fantastic they've got some injuries uh, as well at the back so so you know the pressure is on Everton but they, you know we're talking about strategy we're talking about you know they have that in place they know how they're playing and it wasn't pretty against Wolves as well they probably didn't deserve to win but they just ground out a result they they got the win uh, they're hanging on at the end but but so I, I just feel that they are moving in the right direction with confidence they're, they're looking to potentially have a run late on Everton it sadly just looks like they're going to falter uh, unless they can get something on Friday I think that's going to be the big game yeah very quick turnaround for Chelsea as well they play Man United then they play Everton about just over 48 hours later less than less than three days later so maybe that's an opportunity to get them they also finish the league away at Arsenal so it's a very tough run home uh, Villa have to play against Burnley twice Schwartz who are you taking to survive I'm I'm gonna go with Burnley, mate. Like, listen, last week I was one just going, "What are they doing, Burnley? Yeah. Getting rid of you know, uh, um, the manager? What? No, no real thought in place, no real tactic in place, no real direction, no immediate replacement. Sean Dyche, what he's done, how he's accomplished it with Burnley? They're mad. Uh, how 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 right have they been? Mm. You know, honestly, it's just like. Obviously, that's another example of, you know, we, we have a perception from afar and there are people on the ground who see the, the day-to-day workings of how the club is, where the squad is, where the people are. And again, I've asked questions behind the scenes with various people and they've, heard, they've, said, they've said there is kind of a, div, not a, div, I'll say this, try and say this the right way. There's a divided dressing room in terms of whether it was the right decision to allow Sean Dyche or to sack Sean Dyche or not. Right. So that goes to show, whereas I would have thought it was completely the other way, I would have thought there would have been a three-quarter majority thinking it's a bad decision. Um, that's the perception I had. But from my understanding, it's quite a divided dressing room. And mm. I think that shows in their performances um, and the results. Because if it, weren't, if it, were, if it were very uh, one-sided and people were upset and disappointed with the manager being sacked, I don't think you'd get the bounce and the response that you've had from them. Yeah. So clearly there was something back there. There's, there's a reason they did it. Again, you never know what happens in those in those changing rooms. But I want to talk about another club, last one here in the Prem. I want to talk about Aston Villa because Steven Gerrard came in and that was a bit of a surprise sacking if we think back earlier in the season with Dean Smith. I think people didn't really expect that. Gerrard came in and wowed everyone early on, right? Got the points he needed. They were moving up that table. He's now winless in five games. He's six points clear of Burnley. So should be safe. But his run home includes playing Burnley twice playing Liverpool, playing City, playing Palace. Very, very tough run home. Is Steven Gerrard in the clear yet? Or could he still go down? I don't think they I don't think they'll go down. I think they'll get a couple of results. Um yeah, but but it has definitely sort of leveled out that initial enthusiasm uh, that was, you know, that came with with him sort of coming could the continuous signing it just haven't sort of materialized in that sort of rise to towards the you know the the top six 
And it's sort of, again, a little bit like a, <laughs> a normal Villa season, sort of like mid-table. Uh, and, and that's, a, you know, it's, it's a little bit worrying. But uh, again, I don't, I don't fear for him in, 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 in any way. But they've got a, still a job to do there. Uh, it, mm. it, it looked like it was all on track. But now, yeah, it doesn't look as clear. But, uh, you know, there's some... They're definitely leading into next season, but I don't think this season they're they're, they're going to go down for sure. Yeah, I think they're safe. I can't I can't see them being in real trouble. You mentioned earlier on in the um in the podcast, Leeds United being mid table. They're thirty four points. They are actually very close they're to the relegation, aren't they? Five points. So we've, we've kind of got, we went away from Leeds United a little bit because they got, they went on this run with Jesse Marsh, and you thought. Oh, they're okay. Everyone kind of just assumed they're okay. They're not. They're not there. They're they're in more of a danger than Villa at the moment. Mm. Um, uh, listen, Villa's one win away, forty points. They're not going to go down on forty points. They're one win away. I think Villa will be fine. And back to what Tommy was saying, a little bit. You know, Villa will be mid-table. You know, what do you want to call it, mediocrity or what? Hang on. Let, let's let's try and think where Villa were yeah. a couple of seasons ago. Where they are now. It's about maintaining survival, staying in the Premier League. What was the brief given to Steven Gerrard after Dean mm. Smith was sacked? Probably just stabilise a ship. Do what you can to stay in the league. And I think that's the same as Leeds United, same with Aston Villa. Retake stock again at the end of the season and then start to move forward. But be careful what you wish for. You know, They are at the moment, they are teams that just need to stay in the league and yeah. build. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Going to go down to why you're right there, Schwartz. We've, we've, uh, I guess we've overestimated Leeds United because they haven't lost a game in their last five. But that kind of gives you an idea how good all the teams around them have been because Burnley have been winning as well. Everton have put together a couple of results and the relegation battle is still alive. So is the title race. So is the top four. So I wanted to have a little bit of fun today, right? Because I'm bringing this one back. A bit of start, bench, sell. We love this game because it's where you get controversial, where we get to post it on social and our fans get to get cranky at both of you. Um, we're going to go with a top four edition of start, bench, sell. You've got to pick one of these players that starts in your team, one which sits on the bench and one which you'd sell completely. And we're going to start fitting with the goalkeepers of Tottenham, Man United and Arsenal who are all fighting for that top four. Hugo Lloris, David De Gea, and Aaron Ramsdale, start, bench, sell. What would you do? Uh, um, I, it's a tough one because, uh, but I definitely, I would sell Hugo Lloris. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I think the game, you know, he showed me enough. So I think I'll start the game and then have Ramsdale on the bench. Right. Schwartz, reacted to that one. Big, big shock, <laughs> selling Hugo Lloris. Yeah, I'm surprised about that. Um, I just read today uh, there's a speculation. Let's, let's put it that way. Speculation. Ten Hag is not sure whether De Gea is the right goalkeeper to play the system that he would like to implement at Manchester United. Wow. Yeah, so that, that, could be, that could be true. That's going to be interesting to see how that develops. I'm going to go with... Look, I, I think De Gea, on his line... Is one has been one of the best goalkeepers and certainly been the best player at Manchester United. No doubt whatsoever. I'm not saying he's a bad goalkeeper because I'll get home by Man United fans now. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I would sell De Gea. I would right. bench Lloris and play Aaron Ramsdale. Aaron Ramsdale has surprised me. I hold my hand up. I didn't think he was the right signing for Arsenal. Thought, no way. But he's definitely the future and he's got, for me, the best all-round game out of those three. 
Wow. So, if, but if I asked you this nine months ago, you would have sold Aaron Ramsdale, right? He's he's completely changed your opinion in nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. Huge. Yeah. There you go. Well, we've got two different answers. That's why we love the game. It's a game of opinions. We're going to go now to, I guess, younger, wide players, creative attacking midfielders, Kulisevsky, Jaden Sancho, and Smith Rowe. Schwartz, you can kick it off. Where do you start with that one? That is a really <laughs> tough one. Because before, before Kulisevsky came to uh, Tottenham, I would have said, sell, sell him. Like, mm. yeah, I, I've seen him do cameos at, uh, at Juve, but was never, I never watched him enough to have any, any valid opinion on him. But since he's been at Spurs, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, oh, my God. Uh, I, I, okay, I, I'm gonna because of this stint at Spurs, what his impact, the impact that he's had. I'm gonna say I'm gonna play Kulisewski. Wow. I'm gonna bench Smith Rowe because he's still young and he, I love him. I think he's a fantastic player, and I do like Sancho, but he's really struggled. So, just in this scenario, please, right in the small print, I'd sell Sancho. <laughs> Mark Schwartzer thinks Man United yep. should sell Sancho. That's the headline. Well, that's the headline, isn't it? Up to socials. Watch out. Watch up to socials this afternoon. <laughs> What's going to happen? That's a big call. At least you know you'd get uh, a few pounds for Jaden Sancho as well. He's still, I guess, transfer market value is the most out of these three. Tommy, do you agree with Mark? Yeah, um, I would still. Kolosevsky with Smith Rowe. Um, you know, again, uh, again, Kolosevsky, you know, I, I, I've seen, obviously, uh, like Swartz said, of late, he's been, he's been brilliant. Definitely, you know, he's got great ability, power. Um, but I, again, I just want to see it over a longer stint. And I think Smith Rowe has done now, but whenever he's played, uh, especially of late as well, he, he's been outstanding. And then Sancho, you know, he was one of those players I, I was just so much looking forward to, to seeing at United. You know, he's been exciting. And, it, and I, I just I feel for him. Uh, but on the other hand, that's the environment. Like, that, that's, yeah. the, that's the professional game. You know, there's yeah. whatever you've done in the past, whatever talent, whatever, you know, stamp you came into, you've you got to prove it every week. And, and he just haven't lived up to that expectation. So for me, yeah, uh, like Swartz said, I, I, sadly, I, will, I would sell him. Wow. I'm going to give him a pass though, aren't I? At Man United at the moment, I don't think it's his fault. Yeah, I think no, no, not at all. Terrible. No, no, so not at all. I'm only saying him due to this three, this whole, you know, yes, yeah, this, this scenario. I would certainly 100% United. I'd be keeping him, and he'd be building my team in and around with him. Not, I'm not saying build the team around Sancho, yeah, but he yeah. would be in that team. Yeah, and I dare say he's kind of gotten better in the second half of the season, and he's shown he's shown glimpses, and he, he yeah. definitely is getting better. I know it is just the game. I'm I'm purely doing this to make it difficult for the two of you. That, that's what we do. This next one makes absolutely no sense, right? This is an example of it, but I just felt like doing it because I I thought it was three main men having different kind of seasons, but main men, and they all bring something completely different. So I, I was interested to see what you'd think: Cristiano Ronaldo, Harry Kane, and Bukayo Saka. Again, makes no sense. Doesn't have to make sense. It's my game, right? <laughs> Schwarzy, tell me, what do we think? Oh, um, again, uh, I would probably, you know, Harry Kane. I think he's 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 proven, you know, 
Yeah, you know, he didn't. Probably at Euros, he got a lot of stick, uh, especially, I think, from Swartz. He got a lot of stick. Because of Michael Bridges' love affair with him. That's all. His infatuation with him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I think Saka as well. Like, f- from everything he went through at the Euros, I, he's been absolutely brilliant. Um, He's a tall, yes. I'll probably go with Kane. If I was a manager, I'll probably go with Kane and then have Saka on the bench and then sell Ronaldo just for the sake that Ronaldo, you know, if we're looking at it from a team perspective, that, uh, yeah, no, he's getting to to that age. But he's also been, you know, he's also been good. You you, you always know what you're going to get with him. But yeah, that's my, uh, I think that'll be my thinking behind it. Ronaldo gets the boot. Schwartzy, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely spot on. Yeah. I, I agree. I, yeah, you can't. I mean, Harry Kane is phenomenal goal scoring record. Ronaldo, yes, goal scoring record. But I think uh, Harry Kane brings so much more to the team than Chris, than a Cristiano Ronaldo today does. Okay. Um, uh, Bukayo Saka, he was he was brilliant on the weekend. Every time he got the ball, the whole stand, the main stand, stood up. Every time he got the ball, he just looked like he was going to tear. Man United and you, Watsy, every time he got the ball, and it was it was he it, it was frightening. I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant, and he's yeah. been brilliant for Arsenal. Um, yeah, good, good, good player, very, very good player. Okay, Ronaldo gone. You wouldn't want Ronaldo for that last 10, 15, 20 minutes off the bench. Like, he, is there anyone better to it. get you a goal? Yeah, but he, he wouldn't, wouldn't do it. You would, you would have won him on a, you know, yeah, okay. his speed. Yeah. yeah, and Schwartz is considering mentality, right? He wouldn't want to be on the bench. We're getting yeah. there's new elements to this game now. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Now, very good answers, gents. And that top four race will go down to the wire. Tottenham, of course, to have to play Arsenal very, very soon in the Premier League. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We're going to switch it up now, go around Europe, because there's been some storylines from the top leagues. Carlo Ancelotti is just one point away from being the first manager to win all five major European leagues. And he he's, looks like he's going to win this one by a country mile. Barca's helped him with dropping lots of points in the last three weeks. Um, then we look at PSG, who have wrapped it up with a Leo Messi goal on the weekend. by Munich, which have wrapped it up 10 in a row. So I wanted to speak to you guys a little bit about the fact that those three are wrapped up. Serie A and Premier League are going to go right down to the final day, it looks like. And there's always this competition, what's the best league in the world? It's very hard to argue with the Premier League. But when you start talking about what's the second best, what's the third best, can you have Liga or Bundesliga, or maybe even La Liga right now, as the second best when it is so one-sided? Mark, I know you work a lot on the Bundesliga. It is a phenomenal league to watch. The fans are incredible. The culture is incredible. But Bayern winning it 10 years in a row, does that hurt the Bundesliga shout to be considered one of the best leagues in the world? I think so, yeah. I think it does. And uh, as, as much as I do love it and, and I think it's a great league, it, I don't I don't class it as being the second best league in the world. It's certainly the top five, but it's not the second best. I mm-hmm. think, it, you know, I think also with Spain, La Liga, it's, a, it's an interesting one because I think the quality 
I, I don't like watching La Liga, La Liga very much. Yeah. I, I just yeah. find the games um, very frustrating, the tactics and everything else I find frustrating at times. Barcelona and Real Madrid, uh, certainly Barcelona are quite a bit off what they used to be. Um, but again, look, La Liga is generally a two-horse race. Mm. So how much different is it to to the it's a bit different to the Bundesliga but still the difference being I suppose you got two teams who also dominate in Europe right so yeah. with with and then obviously at Atletico Madrid I'm being a bit a bit harsh on Atletico Madrid um, and Italy's only just becoming competitive again after yes. a long period of Juve dominance um, yeah. and that's the great thing about Serie A it, it's actually certainly more interesting in a results perspective but again I find it difficult to watch Serie mm. A I have, well, to, I have to be honest yeah, it's an interesting one because I, I obviously watch a lot of Serie A, right? I like it. My, my family's obviously from Italy, yeah, so I, I watch a lot of it. Yeah. And when Juventus were dominating, they had, you know, Juventus made two Champions League finals. Italy was performing better in the Champions League. However, I thought it was a poor league. I would put it fourth or fifth in Europe at that time. Now that none of them are competing, but at least the league itself goes right down to it and people are dropping points. For me, it's so much better now. So it's like, what do you judge a league on? Do you really judge it on performance? Because if you're judging on performance in Europe, Spain has to be second best. But there's more elements to a league, right? So is it, yeah, so is it more exciting or is it, no. is it more exciting or is it better quality? Exactly right, yeah. The Serie A right now. So, you know, it's, because the fact that, that they're not as as competitive in Europe at the moment. So that, that, is, a, that is a really a really difficult answer uh, question to answer, and I think it's, a, it's an opinion-based one, isn't it? It is. It is an opinion-based one, but, Tommy, uh, that's what we're all about here on the pod. It is an opinion-based one. If you had to rank Europe's top five leagues from one to five, what would you put them? Uh, yeah, definitely I, I would put the Premier League uh, top. And I agree with Swartz. If I sort of look at, you know, where would I watch a game? Mm. Uh, sort of a mid-table game. You know, I'll definitely watch a German game just for the spectacle and the fans yeah. and, and, and the intensity. Um, you know, but, um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, football is, is, is all about that unknown outcome. You know, any sport is. You know, so so if, if that's in place, then it makes it exciting. So, so I, I must say I haven't taken notice of the Italian league for many years, but now... You know, now I'm really looking for the results. I really sort of, I'm more engaged because it's exciting, you know, and that's what we want in sports. So, you know, if, if I was taking a sort of a snapshot and not sort of looking, you know, I, from a football perspective, I would say I would rank uh, Italy number two um, uh, and Germany number three and Spain, sadly. Wow. Yeah, it's just, just too many games that doesn't interest me. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll rank them uh, behind and then France, uh, obviously. And then Portugal fifth. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. We, we, we were talking in uh, France, weren't we? So uh, I would say league, legal. Uh, I'll, I'll get them uh, in fifth place by by actually a, a fair distance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can, can I can I judge it on how I look up results? So I'm going to say Premier League. I look at the results first every time. Then yeah. I'm going to say Championship. Honestly. Then Bundesliga, and they're probably oh, it's a toss up. Probably I'd go Serie A now. I'd probably look at them next as well. Yeah, but I, I look at the A League results as well. So it's true. 
as well. <laughs> yeah, see, that's a bit lower on mine. That's, sorry, that's a bit lower on my one, yeah. <laughs> Scottish Prem? You throw the Scottish Prem in there? Oh, Schnauzer? yeah, you know what? Yeah. I actually do. That's the head of the A-League. Sorry, guys. But yeah, that is the head of the A-League, yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. It really is It really is a matter of opinion, but um, but you, you can't argue with the Spanish performance in the Champions League, which is back midweek. We're going to talk about that a little bit uh, at the end of the pod as well, get some predictions for those games, because it is Spain up against England in the Champions League, and very exciting times for Germany. Germany in the Europa League as well. You mentioned, oh, it's always about buying, it's about buying, but this is a good opportunity for the rest of Europe to really enjoy two other teams, which are very good, go forward, score plenty of goals, and you could say had upset results in their quarterfinals against Atalanta and Barcelona as well. So we'll get to that in a second. But for now, taking a bit of a left turn, I want to talk about Diego Maradona. For many, one of the greatest players to ever play. And his shirt in the most iconic day of football, the shirt which scored not only the hand of God goal, but the goal of the century where he's dribbled from his own half. They're selling it at the moment. Uh, the, the footballer who played against him that day, I believe it was Steve Hodge, English footballer, is finally selling it. He swapped shirts with Maradona after the game. He's put it up. It already has a four million pound bid. Now, this is crushing the previous record, which was Pele's 1970 shirt. Uh, albeit 20 years ago. Four million pounds, still got a week to go. They're expecting it could go upwards of five, six million pounds. Firstly, that's ridiculous cash, but hey, people got money, they can spend it on whatever they want. Secondly, you got me thinking, because you guys are goalkeepers, and I, I rarely see goalkeepers swapping jerseys. I don't know if it's something that you guys do. Is it an unspoken rule you only swap with other goalkeepers? And if so, what's the best jersey you've collected, Tommy? I, I did. Uh, I did swap uh, shirts. Um, you know, mainly with goalkeepers. I think it's just like a, a respect of. Uh, you know, I got a sportsy shirt. I remember. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, you know, I've had David James, you know, Seaman. You know, so so I do have them. But, I, but the special one for me, me, we played at the Euros in two thousand and four against Italy. Uh, and um, I, I had a pretty good game myself. We, we drew nil-nil, uh, and then obviously after the game, walked up, met uh, Buffon at, at the halfway line, and, and we sort of had a chat, and he can congratulate me on, on a good game. He was like, do you want to swap shirts? Uh, I was about to say, nah, I don't really want to. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so I swapped the shirt, and uh, yeah, it's probably, again, he was an, you know, an icon for me as well, you know, so... You know, to, to, to do that, and and it, you know, in that circumstance as well, in a big game, you know, him recognizing that I had a, had a good game, you know, I think mm. that sort of stands up there as as probably, you know, the 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 most memorable swap, I think. And and looking at that Euros as well, I remember because uh, you and Sweden coincidentally drew two two in the final we? game, and, and Italy <laughs> and Italy had to go home. So thanks, hey, for that one. Hey, 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 I'll tell you a funny story about it. So when when after that game, we were playing in two separate stadiums, uh, but as it turned out, as we. We were, we were staying down at Faro, down in the south of, of Portugal, and we, we got to the tournament, and Italy were there uh, to fly home. And <laughs> seriously, we had, they had to separate. Some of their staff wanted to come out, and like, you, know, you know, obviously they thought and said it was a conspiracy and all this. Yeah. Uh, it, it was quite funny, but it was a little bit sort of, oh, okay, it wasn't the greatest timing. <laughs> Yeah, wow. Because in Italy, they've got the biscotto, right? The biscuit is, is the draw where you agree. Two teams agree. Because, you know, you're talking you're talking to the people that invented this rubbish, right? The Italians do it very, very often. So, of course, they mistrust you guys. But that's pretty good. Gianluigi Buffon, that is, that is some jersey to collect. Schwartz, you got any big ones? I'm going to throw a spanner in the works in terms of that uh, Hand of God shirt. Did you, read, did you read that about, I think it's one of Maradona's relatives or his daughter or something. His daughter. That. 
Oh, that's right, about the shirt and whether or not the shirt was actually worn at the time where he scored the goal, uh, hand of God. Obviously, I think it's Sotheby's or whatever has said, yeah, no, no, it's definitely that shirt. So ooh, would you want to spend yeah. much money on a shirt that might not necessarily be the actual shirt? I thought that was terrible from from her just let the guy have his moment mate you know she just got everyone was so excited and he's selling the shit and then she came out and said but did they did, did they really swap jerseys at halftime even back in the 80s they had all different jerseys I, I i don't know but 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 seriously though like wouldn't you want like if that was me and it was my shirt i'd want if i definitely knew i'd want someone to know right i'd be going hang on mm. no, 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 it's not what you think it is it was the shirt yeah. i wore in the game but i wore it in the first 45 because i i definitely gave this one to someone so whatever I don't know. So obviously she hasn't got that evidence to prove and it's only his no. It's only the, I mean, I say only, it's the daughter and not obviously him himself, which is obvious. Yeah, so it's a difficult <laughs> one. I, I've, got a, I've got a Gigi Buffon shirt as well. Uh, 2006 wow. World Cup. Uh, yeah. They knocked us out, obviously. Um, in that controversially, still at this day, we, we talk about uh, the penalty. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I got one of those ones, which was really cool. And the thing is, I, I think also... It depends on how you acquire it. So right. I I didn't get it off him. Um, one of the other guys went in and got it for me because at the time they were off celebrating whatever it was and weren't able to do it. So it's still great because it's a, it's a Buffon shirt, of course, and it's the World Cup 2006, and I, I still love it, but it's not quite right up there because I didn't actually get it myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, I think also you look at it and go, like, Tommy was saying about Buffon and a bit of an idol and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, I've got an Oliver Kahn shirt. And it's not like I idolise Oliver Kahn. It's obviously the German background. And I've also got a Manuel Neuer shirt, which 2010, which was a shit game for us, obviously losing 4-0. But it was yeah. still Manuel Neuer. Um, so there's a couple of those shirts where you kind of go, yeah, that's for me up there. And it'd be like you, Claude, yeah. getting a... You know, getting a a, a um, Italian shirt off they didn't. Oh, they didn't. They're not going to make it to the World Cup, are they? they yeah, the no. One, they? no, they didn't make it to the last one either. Yeah, that was you no know, point, though, is it? Yeah, you know, actually, I've got I've got that jersey of that 2006 World Cup. I I did manage to meet Fabio Cannavaro not long after. Uh, it was a big big idol of mine, and he signed it and everything. Great man as well. Um, but I wanted to ask you actually because Manuel Neuer, you swapped jerseys with him. Did you do that? You, you didn't do that on the pitch, did you? Like, how does it work when you've just lost at yeah, a World did. Cup? Yeah, we did okay. after the game. I was chatting to him and and just talking about the game and saying how how, how shit we were, how shit I was, uh, with one of the goals particularly. And uh, <laughs> All right, yeah, I have my shirt. Like, did, did he say no, <laughs> yeah. you weren't? Did he say no, you weren't? Did he agree with you? Did he? Yeah, you no, were. No, he said, yeah, yeah, you're pretty shit today. Yeah, du warst scheiße, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then I just said to him, oh, you know, do you mind swapping shirts? And he and I said, you know, can I have your shirt? And he goes, yeah, no problems. And then we did swap it then and then afterwards, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Pitch, yeah. 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 yeah well, was, you're lucky. I, was, I thought I was more buff than he was. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, probably. I, I, oh, sorry, I, I swapped with Oliver Kahn once and he, we took his shirt off and the, the armband, so the national team armband was still stuck on it. Oh really? Shirt with a with a, with a German uh, you, German flag armband on. Yeah, yeah that's great. great. <laughs> yeah. Did he just did he just take your jersey and just eat it on the spot or something? Because he just strikes me as that type of character. He's just strange. <laughs> yeah. Just a strange man. Yeah, he was. I've also got a Peter Michael shirt. To be fair, uh, Aston Villa Peter Michael shirt. So it's not a Man United yeah. one, but it, you know, mm. it's it's not bad. Well, actually, I'm going to put you on the spot. Have you have you held on to Tommy's jersey, Schwartz? 
Yeah, I've got it. I've got it in my in my wardrobe as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I, hope, back. I, I, right. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, I always. He's going to go I, buy one from classic shirts. Hey, now I, he's going to go buy I, one I, from I, classic football shirts. <laughs> framed, I think. So, uh, yeah. did you see? I, I didn't do the framing. Um, I didn't do framing shirts. Yeah, my, mine's. In I was a just trying to rob it in. Like I've got a memorabilia wall. Yeah, and, uh, and because you know. On uh, coat hangers, and you can take them out, look at them. People can put them yeah, on, whatever yeah. it is, you know. So that's how I liked it. Um, mm. But I, I've told the story before. I, I whenever whenever a goalkeeper offered uh, wanted to swap a shirt with me, say you know, you say you're playing national team or you're playing a lesser yeah. league team, I yeah. always did, and I yeah, always yeah, was like, yeah. "Can I have yours?" I always mm. asked for theirs, regardless yeah. of whether I knew they were or wanted it. I've still got all of them. I, I never got rid that's of anything. Good. Yeah, respect. I like that. That's good. Well, um, that's an awesome collection to have, and I guess the stories come back as you go through them. So one day I got to come have a look at both those collections. I'd love to have a look. Um, we've got Champions League back now midweek. Before we wrap it up, I want to get your prediction because you know, for a lot of people, I mean, the first game is definitely not straightforward. A lot of people are saying the second one is. I definitely don't think it is. City are at home to Real Madrid in the first game. It's at the Etihad. Don't know how much you read into who's away and who's at home first, but I think Madrid will like the fact that they travel first. Let's talk about this game this week at the Etihad. Tommy, who are you taking? I hope for Pep that, that this is the year he's going to win it, but uh, he's definitely taking the, the hardest route. I, I think you know, it's just such a bogey team. They've got you know just wealth of experience. Mm. In the last round, you know, coming back against Chelsea. Oh, sorry, Chelsea coming back, but getting getting that over the line, and I, I, that's the only my worry for 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 City is that they they've just got that nick for coming. And Benzema is obviously in 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 great form. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 worrying for me. Uh, you know, I want Man City to go all the way, but whew, uh, I sadly think that maybe Real. It's a beautiful game of football. Well, I too, absolutely love it. He's going for Real Madrid. Schwartzy, on that game, who are you going for? Quick one. City or Real? I'm going to say City. I just think City. overall. Yeah, it's their year. I just think overall. As much as Real Madrid surprised me against Chelsea, how well yeah. certainly they played at Stamford Bridge. But I just think City will have too much. And on Thursday morning, Liverpool at home to Villarreal. Are the yellow submarine any chance? The club have paid half the money for their fans to travel. They've paid for the flights. They've paid for hotels. So they're going to have a big support there at Anfield. I think they'd prefer to travel to Anfield first and then bring them back to Spain. Schwartz, do you give them any chance of nicking a result here? 100%. They've got a chance. Yeah, they're custody. in the semi-final. Of course they've got yeah. two legs. Absolutely they've got a chance. Who thought they'd be where they are? Exactly. However, right. I'm going to say Liverpool. I mean, look, look Liverpool... <laughs> No, of course. I mean, I'm going to say Liverpool because I think Liverpool just are phenomenal. So mm. I, I, I think Liverpool will be too much for them, but they can't underestimate them. Look, look, Bayern, I think, underestimated them and, and, and found themselves being dumped by them. So Villarreal, they're on merit and they're a challenging opponent for Liverpool. Mm. Tommy, Liverpool, Villarreal, straightforward? Yeah. Yeah, it's not straightforward, but uh, but yeah, I agree with Swartz. I think Liverpool, the form they're in, again the experience. Um, Villarreal got the trophy last year in the Europa League. Uh, it's yeah. still, you know, still just I think a step too far for them. Uh, I think the quality is just going to shine and just going to be the the difference. 
Well, I mean, we've got football every single day until we're back here. Huge game. So we've gone, Schwartz has gone for City and Liverpool. Tommy's gone towards Real Madrid and Liverpool. I'm going to put my words in. Not that anyone cares. I'm going to go for City and a draw at Anfield. I think Villarreal will, will nick a, uh, a draw at Anfield and bring it back, make it very interesting in the second leg. Uh, we've got that. Then we've got Chelsea travelling to Old Trafford to play Man United on Friday morning. That's here on Optus Sport as well. You've got some Europa League action. Das ist wunderbar Fußball, Schwartzy. You've got two Germans in there, RB Leipzig and Eintracht Frankfurt. And then we've got games every single day until we meet again next Tuesday. Guys, thanks so much for joining us on the Gagan Pod. Make sure to visit the Optus Sport app for everything you need from the world of football. Chuck us a five-star rating if you've had fun and enjoyed this one. Hopefully we've got Michael Bridges back next week. We'll see you all then for some more Gagan Pod. 